Oh yeah. Four yeah. Four. So you've got, well, you've got this town and you want your town is a crossroads. So you're lucky. Um, and you've got this place where people can come and from a lot of, so uh, something like um, Damascus is a ancient one or Babylon or um, Medina, Medina, uh, it's, it's a crossroads, but it's, well, Baghdad came a bit later, but Babylon was, or Nineveh, or like, I'm talking like some of the original ones. Oh, Sumerians. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you get also like, um, I think Azur was one of them. Azur Banapal kind of stuff. But um, then you get uh, places like um, uh, Minos on uh, Crete. Uh, where people, where the trade, the maritime trading would come through. Now, if you are known to be working in bad faith, you can't have that. Um, I don't want to use this word, but like that sacred ground of the trading area, the market, where these are the rules that are in place, and you can't come here if you don't abide by the rules. That isn't to say that these rules aren't um, negotiable. Um, to some extent, it's a place of negotiation. You're not going there to play by strict rules. You're go- going there and saying, I won't do this, but in return, I will be able to do this. This uh, comes down to, it's kind of a- That's really a what li- we mean of tolerance too, right? Like yeah. When we talk about tolerating other people. It's, it's not about like saying that you get to make up things and we just have to ab- believe it and go along with you. Like that's not what tolerance means. It means that you just put up with it in the interest of peace and civility. Right. And like, no one really likes Romans. Right. Right. And like, you see, uh, you see people in the financial sector in today's marketplace complain about, oh, government doing this and government doing that. But that's just their negotiation. They're trying to see what kind of deal they can get uh, to the best. So they're willing to take every avenue to make that deal. And that doesn't mean it's always best. And that doesn't mean there's not, um, snake oil salesmen who are looking to make you think that you're getting a good deal and uh, mm. making it look like a good deal was made, but in reality, uh, a not good deal was made. Uh, I keep thinking of Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street stuff. Yeah. Uh, those micro loans that were useless, but you know he's getting paid, so who cares? Um, and we sort of encourage them and- Micro and investments. We gave them incentives to be good at that because as a banker, what you're doing is you're carving out margins and percentages, right? So once somebody becomes an expert at carving out percentages, of course, they're naturally going to gravitate towards arbitrage. Like the, um, um, what do you call that? The, the excessive reward from the input provided. So they're getting more out of a system than they're putting into a system, but that's sort of trained and experts at. Like when we want a banker to finance or back a corporation or something like that, we want to make sure the corporation's not making feeling decisions. We want to make sure the corporation's making cutthroat margin, profit margin, uh, motivated, uh, or their, their, their protocols and procedures should be conducive to making a profit because that is the purpose and function of the corporation as a whole. And the bankers and investors are there specifically to invest in things that aren't emotional, that are strictly numbers and margins, because that's their job. Now, so what would you say? Influence the market rules and the law. We should be expecting that, but we should also be reining it in. 
we should know for a fact that everything they project to us is going to be their highest aspiration, their best possible self gain. Mm. And we should now, know well enough that it's not criminal or evil and it's not, um, it, it's not antithetical to our civilization or high society to like put a cap or rein it down so that it's not excessive. The remuneration they're collecting in return for the services are good to the society that they're offering. We should be right. expecting them to over be over ambitious. Right. Cause they, it's that ambition that pushes them to find that, uh, that little space where they can make that a uh, better deal. Mm -hmm. But now some would argue that um, it would be better if you had more emotional decision-making because actually that would create a better market or which I, that was a good argument for that too. That's the same argument that we started on with the marketplace needing rules because the mm -hmm. reason for the market and the purpose for all these layers of abstraction on expertise and specialization, mm -hmm. the whole purpose and function to it is so that when we go out and collect wood, we can do it for three hours and there's food and a house to come home to and then everybody's safe. The, the point to it isn't what we get immediately from collecting wood. The point to it is our subsistence over a long term with less effort. That's the point. Right. And I think the distaste for that unfeeling uh, corporate decision-making process um, comes with, again, the resentment from the, uh, I guess, people of our class that uh, I was like, well, why are they making money when I'm working all day? And they all they do is sit on the phone all day. Well, Firstly, that is work. Secondly, um, yeah, it is kind of, you know, resentful. But um, at the same time, it would help if economists pay more attention and gave more lip service to the why or the meta analysis as to what they're doing. Well, why are you trading this? Well, mm -hmm. trading it so that uh, I can facilitate more effective uh, society that'll push because uh, I'm interested in you know, you can have a path towards it, not just wealth for wealth or wealth, quay wealth, where you are, you know, well, I'm just here to make money. I don't care how I get it. But like, yes, you are doing that and you're part of a system facilitating uh, trade and uh, efficiency of uh, the system itself. But if you pay attention to why, so maybe you're interested in uh, new fusion technologies and you think this is something that society could really use. How do I invest in it? How do I make money off of these people making money? Which isn't a, it's self-serving, but it's also a, by that person investing in something like uh, new fusion companies, they're putting themselves in a position for these things to profit from these things being successful. So that person has an interest now in that thing benefiting mankind because the more it benefits mankind, if one explodes, he loses all his money. If one, if it turns out to be a, you know, a duff technology, well, he doesn't make any money, but if it brings benefits and, you know, happiness to mankind and all of a sudden everyone wants more of them built, well, that person is going to have a lot of money. Um, and, and rightly so. And I, I think that's the whole reason we need regulation and government is to impose that emotional component into an, uh, a, a perfectly rational and mathematical approach like investing or corporate right. trading or anything. So like that. the emotion comes up here 
And then the emotion drives what the reasoning for using this unemotional calculation. Right. So the calculation itself can't be emotional. Right. But the use, but the implement, but the wielding of that calculation can have not emotional, but um, kind of a enlightened reasoning, I guess. So uh, you don't want to just be like, oh, I feel that this, or you use some psychic woo to feel no you you still have to use uh your brain on this um but you this can is why use keeping economics in mind is so important like the principles when we when we keep in mind the focus and point of our market systems before we make judgment calls or rationalizations on how to govern a marketplace i mm -hmm. think that's how we make better decisions for market practice so to expect Zuckerberg to worry about our privacy when his profit model is based on selling our privacy is absurd. It just literally doesn't make sense. You can't right. have an incorporated company that's a profit-seeking company that sells advertisements based on personal data of its users and expect that this guy should be regulating how privacy is managed. It's his job well, to sell other people's privacy. That's and what happens if Zuckerberg is a moral relativist and has a different, you know, moral uh moral baseline than say you do and says well privacy is actually immoral and someone who values their privacy like me would be like uh, no please no um so you get people like me going like well i'm not going on facebook then uh because i have a different moral structure so um cognizant of invisible threats like a risk to your privacy um hmm. i think we should be regulating that in a sense that we should be making it front row and center to people using Facebook, that the things they do have effects. Every time they click a like button or a share button, or every time they expand to read an article or don't, Facebook is tracking that. That's the data they're selling to advertisers. That's the reason that their service is free. And if you can accept that and you're fine to use it, that's fine. Yeah. The problem is when it's hidden, when it's not made obvious to people and they start receiving advertisements that look like articles written by journalists, that's a problem. That's a, that's yeah. a structural social problem to have an advertiser look like a journal article from reputable, mm. reputable what do they call it? Native advertising is what they call it. it it's like yeah. you're making an article. Or like, honestly, I don't really have a problem with Facebook reading my my sex and my age and finding out that I don't need to be advertised, uh, pregnancy tests and, uh, mm. um, dresses and stuff because, well, that's not really, I'm going to look at that being like, well, that's not for me. That's not for me. That's not for me. But then it's going to be like, uh, did you know that there's a new, you know, processor? And I'll be like, oh, that is for me. Uh, <laughs> so there are th like advertising isn't, completely evil. I just find it um, annoying and distasteful. Uh, I think that's where we, we've lost sense of our skew, right? Like how much emphasis we put on stuff should be relative to the function that they're serving us as a society. And I'm not mm -hmm. saying there's no function to Facebook. I'm saying it's not Facebook's function to operate and manage people's security and privacy. Like they're separate entities. That's like asking the woodcutter what the best fruit is to eat to not get sick. You oh, asked, well, I've seen you fruit up in the tree that cut down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the kid that's uh, picking up rocks just because they have lots of energy and strength and muscle. You, you don't ask them what 
what to how to operate on a pancreas. Like, yeah, it's just not their expertise. So, kind of turning this around a bit, um, we have this thing uh, in the market that we use as a proxy for uh, value, um, and it goes into it's not so we call it money, but um, money. there are uh, Unix of exchange that we can also use in money. I can, uh, I can use labor. Um, I, uh, yeah, anything that you can exchange for another thing. So if we go back to that, uh, early, um, bronze age marketplace where people are just kind of bringing in their stuff, setting up a stall, maybe going and being like, Hey, come and get these fishing nets that, you know, my village made come and get them. And they're, 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 they're trying to sell them. Uh, and someone comes in and they have cows. Now the guy with cows lives by a river and thinks that the fishing nets are useful, but there's only five people in his village where he grows cows. He's got one family. So it's not really even a village. He's Mm -hmm. just a farm that, has cows, but he brought a couple of them in to sell, uh, to see what he can get. Cause you know, eating beef every night is, um, drinking milk isn't always the greatest. So he yeah. wants to sell his cows for, uh, something cow is a big animal. And therefore, you know, there's a lot of meat on that thing is, uh, you can get milk out of it. It can pull things. It's a very valuable animal. Yeah. And he only wants three nets because, there's three people and he wants a backup maybe. And he likes the idea of what happens if, you know, one breaks or two break, he wants another one, but he doesn't need 17 nets. Mm-hmm. He's not going to buy the entire thing in nets. And he doesn't have the time to go and buy the whole load and save, sell them himself for a profit uh, down his road. So he's not going to trade the entire cow for three nets. So what does he do? That's the usefulness of money in general. Yeah. And, as an exchange and a store of value, it can be used to also assess how you want to um, disperse of your assets. In other words, knowing how much one cow is worth tells you how much you can buy with one cow versus selling all of your cows. So keeping five cows might help you produce more cows. So in the long run, again, being humans that can forecast, it makes sense in our own lives and as a society to have a stable replenishing source of cows. So based on the money he gets from, from those, if you, if he were to get the equivalent of billions of dollars where he could buy entire islands and factories and machines, and he didn't need a factory for himself and his family, but he could afford them from five cows. And yeah, he would sell all five cows mm-hmm. and never have to work again. Kids never have to work again. Everybody lives plush and, and that would be a dysfunction in the market because it's not providing any synergy. It's just extracting wealth from other people's gains. Right. So having um, supply and demand curves is the point of having the both is to say, as supply goes up, the price of your goods or demand for it should fall because the demand uh, you get there's a law of diminishing returns where once you get a million dollars, the next million you get doesn't benefit you nearly as much as the first million, right? Mm-hmm. The first million gives you education, land to live on, food, clothes, shelter. It gives you everything you can possibly. The second million gives you an airplane or a yacht. You know what I mean? The 10th million benefits you so little 
compared to the first million. That The point of a market isn't to encourage these gross disparities of asset collection. The point of it is to price goods so that everyone's, um, everyone's quality of life improves based on the synergies. So right. the intention of a marketplace isn't to get the best price like infinitely absolutely it's to get the best price so that price actually dictates where supply and demand cross it's to find equilibrium so that's a functioning market doesn't have absolute numbers it's constantly shifting and changing up and down but a functioning market always has an equilibrium it's when the equilibrium equilibrium gets thrown out of whack that you want regulation to stabilize an equilibrium you don't want regulation to create a disparity you don't want people just doing this because the government's going to pay them tons of money to do it, like joining the army. If they paid people a hundred grand a year, whereas normal salaries in Canada are like 40,000 per household. If you paid everybody a hundred grand and anybody could sign up for the military, you'd be extracting all this productive work out of the economy. And yeah, these people would be paid and be getting money, but it would mm -hmm. be so temporary because what you're doing is you're borrowing from future productivity to pay for useless productivity today. Yeah. That's sort of where we get at with the way banking has become, because as soon as we had um, the influence of the financial sector or energy sector or just large bodies of economies, they stand to gain very little from their economies of scale. Like their incremental utility of all their extra money doesn't actually benefit them nearly as much as it harms the, the economy they're extracting that wealth from. And right. that's where so, regulation should be reining it in. So if the guy sells all of his cows and he's got a ton of money, but and he pays a couple people to build him a you know nice house on his land, but then he lives there. Um, but now the, everyone in town has a bunch of cows, so no one wants cows anymore because everyone's sick of cow meat and they've got a ton of cows, so they sell them off. But that family, which used to also provide milk for the town and, uh, you know, it would sell some of the beef that it couldn't eat and uh, it would uh, also, the cows would also um, pull logs and stuff like that and do manual labor. Um, he's not benefiting from that constant stream of, uh, you know, of small uh, income coming in. You know, you, you get mm. you pull a bunch of logs for your neighbor. You get a bit of, you get um, some income from that, and maybe grain or something. Uh, you sell off some milk when you have a surplus of milk, and you know you get uh, you get a bit of money. But now you're living in a mansion, and you're not doing anything, and you've essentially taken yourself out of the market, and you're. Uh, you, maybe you can go buy whatever you want, but uh, if we bring this into the modern period, you live in your mansion and you've got, you've, you have all this money to spend, but you buy a TV. But and here's the thing though. How many TVs can you buy though? Yeah. <laughs> the other problem with that though, it, it isn't so much that he's out of the market and it's no longer him being productive because they can do whatever yeah. they want. It's just one person in a society, which is a group of people. And it's not the fact that everybody else has too many cows. That's not really a problem either, because when things are cheaper, everybody's richer. The yeah. problem is everybody had to break their houses down to nothing to build this guy's mansion. Mm -hmm. The problem is the resources extracted from all these people in order to afford buying the cows that made that guy so rich. 
It has nothing to do with how rich the guy is. It has everything mm -hmm. to do with all of the resources that were productively earned incrementally, little by little, all of a sudden completely flushed over to one side and everybody else having nothing. And yeah. I mean, it's an, it's an extreme example, but what we're saying is the only way this guy could be that rich in this type of economy is if people destroyed their own homes to build him his home. They take right. one hut and put it on top of another hut and another, and that's how you build your big mansion out of everybody else's homes. Well, if he's got all this money from these cows and now everyone else in the town has to go and if like either break down their house or everyone in the town has to go because he's paying everyone to go mine rocks for no purpose other than to build a house for one person in there all their time for their death. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you got you know, pyramids are actually an amazing example of this or any yeah. of those Egyptian tombs uh, where you had like 200,000 workers for 20 years uh, just slaving away, um, even though it seems they weren't slaves um, for this guy uh, based on religious reasons. You're all doing this for me because the gods mm -hmm. say so. Uh, this is the way of the world. And everyone's like, but everyone could be put to much better use farming, making more food for everybody. But like that's 200,000 people in uh, the Bronze Age. That's just a lot of people. Actually, yeah, that's like that's a third the of the planet's population. <laughs> uh, let me just get the numbers right, see if I can. Uh, yeah, while you look that up, I just want to sort of make a tangent on that. There, there's two sides to looking at it, too. Like, is, as wasteful and useless as it was to have all those people build pyramids, look at all the math and engineering that went in, it was involved in, like, just the infrastructure of dragging bricks from a quarry to build this giant thing without cranes. And, and you, you know what I mean? So like mm. they developed math only because like certain maths only because they had to build these pyramids. It, it was like um, the Greeks were great for this, like the Parthenon. I can't remember the name of the guy who designed the Parthenon, but like the math that was involved in making sure that the pillars and arches were structured the way they were so that they wouldn't fall down and it would stand like earthquakes and and fires and all that kind of stuff. It's truly remarkable what they accomplished. And even though it was senseless and stupid and wasteful at the time, in the end, without our knowing so, it, it eventually created a better social good in having all these like worldwide monuments and, and maths to study. Yeah. So and there's then, always two sides to it. No yeah, absolute. and I guess the other thing is is that you like it's practicality versus uh, perceived practicality. So, uh, if you beautify your city, well, you're spending all this money to, on edifice, on on things, or we should just have this industrial paradise. It's like, yeah, well, everyone's got a job, but there's nothing to look at. There's no, there's no purpose for that. So you get like, you know, you plant a bunch of trees in your town. And everyone's like, I like this town now. I'm going to work harder to, you know keep it like this so beauty in itself is a almost a product worth uh spending your money on because well uh when something's uh humans react to beauty and when we put when we invest in beauty we tend to create something that we want to continue toward continue in the future so i want we build this uh beautiful uh piece of public art um, I don't know, Eiffel Tower, uh, some of, or um, some of like uh, the Italian towers and you see these and you built them and you, you look at them 
And if you go to somewhere like Rome or Venice and you look at these things and you're like, wow, it took so many people so much time. They, effort could have been put to such much better use. But when you look at them, you, you can't think like, we should make sure this makes it into the future. Mm-hmm. We should, because I prefer living in a world where this exists and people will work towards the beautification of their world. Uh, and to, uh, to go back, sorry, uh, to put an answer to that. I was just waiting that. while you were looking stuff up. So I figured I'd. Yeah. I was so, so, uh, Ictinus and, Callicrates were designed the Parthenon, so it was two guys. Mm. Um, and the, so it was Herodotus that said there was 100,000 pe- uh, workers, whereas uh, modern uh, modern scholars think it was 20 to 30,000 workers. Um, so those are the answers to those. <laughs> I can't Thank just you. say stuff online. We have to make an attempt to be says stuff online they can look it up for themselves <laughs> yes but we but but crucially pretend. we have to know that the only reason it was possible for them to use that many people is because farmers were so efficient on the nile the fertile soils of the nile are the reason that they were even able to assign hmm. all of these slaves to do this type of work because even for slavery you have to have some sort of subsistence People have to be able to survive to the next day to continue to work. And disgruntled people are less effective. So this is a really good analog to go from where banking is at right now with leverage trading and the, the whole money printing that they always talk about with the, the Fed selling bond or the Treasury selling bonds and the Fed buying up like corporate securities now with no limits, which is absolutely insane, but that's for another day. <laughs> What we're doing is we're funneling all of this future productivity in money, the store of value. So things we create that are worth anything are money. So taking money that didn't exist because it's coming from the future, charging an interest is the same thing. If I give you $100 and you get 10% interest or something on it, um, that that's money that didn't exist. And when you pay, pay it back to me, it's like the money provided labor, not, not so much. So... In interest is useful in the sense that it limits people's borrowing so that everybody doesn't just go bankrupt, but it's more mm-hmm. meant as a balance to the equilibrium, which is why the, the central banks change their overnight lending rates. They call it the prime rates or whatever. It's supposed to be to find that equilibrium balance. But when you get a, an unbalancing, like um, people exchanging stocks of companies based on future productivity of a company, for a product or service they haven't made or sold yet, and then using that as a down payment or a security to pay somebody today to do something that's productive and or a service that's useful, that's very much akin to people tearing down their homes to build the mansion for the guy so that they can afford to buy his cows. No matter how valuable okay. the cows are, they're not more valuable than the longevity of the system. The sustainability of the synergies is what makes us rich. It has nothing to do with um, getting the best price. Getting the best price is just a means to find the equilibrium, the balance between supply and demand. It's not meant to get uh, this gratuitous, overinflated, opulent sort of bankroll where you can finance uh, personal pet projects. Uh, Yeah. is a perfect example of what we should be encouraging, but we're not. We should be encouraging people to do scientific discovery or build pyramids without the slavery aspect to it, which he's doing. That that's yeah, a plot. 
but we shouldn't let so him just you get free reign to go, you know, rape the world of all their cobalt, you know, and destroy the planet with with noxious fumes and burning tons of kerosene. Like there, there's a balance that needs to be found in in, in regulation and yeah. government. Well, I think we have those two uh, negative things in the market where you have the the entrepreneur who is just single mindedly going towards his goals, but then you also have uh, overgrown children in the market thinking like, I'm just doing this so that I can have that opulent lifestyle. Um, whereas we need, you know, uh, mature men and women uh, who will think before they act, though things get complicated real quickly. Um, now, yeah. uh, in that, in that thing that you, uh, in that, in that last part you were talking about, uh, we came across a few uh, points of jargon, which um, made sense in the context, but for the layman, can we go over a few of these? Absolutely, yeah. I'm glad you're here for that. <laughs> so um, now some of these, we use these words every day, but we never define them and they're never defined for us. And we always just pretend a lot of us uh, what, they mean in order to get through the conversation and order our drinks. Um, but <laughs> these are very important things. So um, I have a list of six now. Uh, the first one is debt. Debt. So Okay. Debt is, debt. Um, it's the same word as bond. It's when you owe something to someone else. There are useful debts and there are um, catastrophic types of debt. Uh, debt for destruction, like war is definitely a catastrophic category type of debt. Um, the reason why I would call it catastrophic isn't because I'm saying that it's the end of the world or an existential threat. What I'm saying is if it was left to its own device in perpetuity, it would eventually cause more destruction than construction. So in essence, it is not beneficial. A synergy would do the exact opposite. It would not only maintain a neutral right. balance of energy expenditure and output relieved, it would gain on top of that. Whereas destructive things like um so so leveraging your future potential oh, is that's, not necessarily bad that's the next word okay it's an accelerant so the the example you gave right at the uh, the onset of our discussion here was uh with the cart that's a perfect example for leverage because you can say if i'm shipping rocks and i have orders for people for rocks, but I'm already carrying as many rocks as I can possibly carry. Borrowing to get a cart to haul rocks for a productive good that everybody needs that is unfulfilled. So there's a demand and a shortage of supply, which makes the price higher. So the price would be the motivation for the individual to invest in a cart if they could afford it. And somebody else who can't or doesn't want to or has plenty of other things to do, but they have the money or resources to lend them, has every right, obviously, to, to lend them some money for a cart and charge them interest for it because there's a risk involved and you should be paid for any risk. That oh, okay, so leverage. leverage and the reason you, why I like the cart... So leverage is... The cart itself so leverage, is physically you say something a, le a lever. Like it sits on yeah. an axle of wheels yeah, so and you can pick up more rocks <laughs> with a levered cart. So it's a perfect word to use but, to leverage your debt. To borrow a, to borrow money so, to buy a cart is just like lifting more rocks with less. So you go into uh, essentially pay me more and I can do more. Uh, so mm -hmm. uh, invest a little more in me, 
give me more money and I will be able to do this and I will be able to leverage your money in order to have a greater income or have yeah. a greater thing. So, so I would we hear this word a debt. lot because it sounds, yeah. So we use this word, we hear this word a lot because it sounds sexy. Uh, and so it's like, oh, I'm leveraging this and that. So you are acquiring more debt to be able to do more and uh, uh, at a later time. So that mm. the payout is going to be exponentially more. So to move forward, um, just one more example security. for security. I just wanted oh, to say okay. like, um, markets like Forex markets, currency exchange markets are highly leveraged. And I'm talking like an order of magnitude more than stocks or bonds, uh, are traded. So like the extreme version mm -hmm. of this, and even though I did it, this is why I know that it's a bad practice for us as a species to do it. <laughs> they, they're working on flux price fluctuations of fractions of pennies. So four decimal points after the penny, and a penny is already a de two decimal points after a dollar. So we're talking about ten thousandths of a dollar, and people are earning money on those price fluctuations under the auspices of saying that they're 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 providing uh, a dynamic price for a currency. They're valuing one country's currency compared to another currency, and they're saying that's the value they add to the market. My personal belief and conjecture is nobody needs that type of precision. There's zero reason to pay somebody hundreds of millions of dollars for trading currencies that nobody else gets any benefit from. It's just extracting wealth from, uh, from a productive system. So that's all I wanted to mention on that. It's, okay. it's the extreme opposite end of leveraging without benefit versus leveraging a cart to haul more, haul more rocks. Okay, the next one is security. Uh, a security in. Oh, yeah, security is like a ransom. If if you wanted to to lend somebody money and you wanted to make sure you got it back, you'd want some type of ransom. So what what I would call a security is uh, okay. I'll lend you money for that cart, but you have to give me your pickaxe and to that you use to to make or to get rocks. Let's say you need your pickaxe to, to get the rocks and put them in your cart. I'm going to hold on to your pickaxe. You pick up as many rocks as you can with one cart. And once you start paying me back, I'll give you your pickaxe back. That's a security because that so person if, can't go without their so pickaxe. So if the person's cart falls apart in the use of it, uh, so or if the person you're lending your money to squanders it, you still have the guy's pickaxe. And now you have a pickaxe that you can use. So um, the idea is the guy so, okay. would go uh, pickaxe a whole bunch of rocks and then go ask for the cart. So the rocks are just sitting there waiting to be picked up. He has people that wants them. All he needs is a cart. That's the simple example we're working with. So security is just, mm -hmm. I'm going to hold this until you fulfill your end of the bargain. So a mortgage is a secured asset. Uh, it's almost like an, uh, it's almost like a insurance. Yeah, it is an insurance. Yeah. So a security okay. is anything they hold as ransom for whatever they're offering, though. Okay, so uh, there are different let's terms. Do the next one, which is security. If, if if you're talking about trading okay. securities, they can talk about like certificates of shares of companies, but that's just getting too. So, but when people say they're trading securities, they're usually talking about shares of companies. A secured asset okay. is. Um, for practical, pragmatic purposes of discussion and economic principles for the for today's topic, 
Securities just means ransom. Okay. Uh, this even simpler one. Uh, there's two more. So stock. Uh, a stock is what the is same stock? thing as a share. Um, so you can think of like if a family all lives under one house, no one member of the family owns all of the house, but you could probably say the parents own more of it than the kids. The kids would still say it's their house, but they're not responsible for the roof or for the doors. They might be responsible for a little bit of sweeping and some yard work outside. So the number of shares people holds is basically the, the amount of proportion of that one house that they all own. So if I own 10,000 stocks in, in Microsoft, m the value of those stocks is only relative to how many other shares are out there. It could be 20 million and there could be 500 billion shares. Like it, the number itself doesn't matter or the price of the share is based on the number of shares that are out there. So the price of the stock doesn't matter either. It's all relative terms. So we're talking about how the stock mm -hmm. has moved and like its delta, it, how it's, uh, its dynamic range is what's actually important and not the num numeric value of the stock or the numeric value of how many shares are out there. It's the proportion or the ratio that you own that tells you your controlling share of asset, of any asset. Okay. And the last one is interest. Uh, in interest is basically a charge for for time. So if you're not if you're holding money, it's useful to you only insofar as you can spend it. If you're releasing that money to somebody else to spend and you're waiting to get it back, you basically want to charge them for the time that they're holding it. They're renting your assets. So think of it like a car. If you pay somebody to rent their car, you might not pay interest on it, but the payment you give them is literally the same thing as interest as if you gave them money and they gave it back to you. The rental fee, basically. Okay, so why is it a sin? <laughs> it's, it's not that interest is bad. It's unregulated interest that's bad. Usury. It's predatory mm -hmm. loans like loan sharks charging 250%. Because when your interest and fees start to exceed the actual principle that you borrow, you're again extracting productivity from the economy without any marginal gain even to the rest of society. You've basically taken the synergy out of the equation and you're just keeping all the gains for yourself. And that is in the end ultimately destructive because it never feeds productively or constructively. Having payday loaning companies that loan $500 and charge $100 is 20% interest for two weeks. I mean, every now and then somebody might go through uh, an emergency where that's necessary, but we should want to live in a society mm. where that's never necessary because that would be a more productive and synergistic society to live in. It would be a better world where people don't need to sacrifice three months of their labor to pay for one unexpected problem. That's why we, we approve of cooperative insurance things like that yeah um so yeah and well payday loans are don't do them it's not worth it but at never, the same time never worth it um yeah a lot of times you imagine they, like they, they say they provide a service where it's like oh this will get you through a tough time but you imagine people being like well i want that thing now i don't want to have to wait for it or work for it i want it i want it now so i can get that money real quick and they don't think about the consequences, you know, bad debt. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, you know, a student loan, 
is actually probably good debt because you are using your debt in order to acquire, uh, make yourself more valuable. Um, you're getting something in addition to uh, the product you're buying. So, but that's the difference like, uh, between when I was working at, and and mm -hmm. usury. So student yes. loans are good if we're getting an education for it and you're paying professors to be good teachers. Yes. It becomes usury. It becomes a payday loan when your student loan takes 15 years to pay back and the teachers aren't making the money from it. It's the administrators who are coming right. out with three, $400,000 salaries. And the moment you're them extracting wealth from future productivity of individual people and it doesn't benefit society as a whole. No. It actually no. makes us smaller and weaker because they're pulling out from productivity. They're, they're negating the synergies again. Well, and then the moment my professor said, we need to use feelings and emotions instead of facts and evidence uh, <laughs> to do scholarship, I was like, oh, man, I wasted a whole bunch of money on this class. Uh, I was paying out of pocket. Now, one of the things I noticed from that, I'm kind of switching the topic here. That's all right. Uh, because I think you... You, uh, you you nailed a lot of these um, right out oh, of the good. park. Uh, so um, one thing I noticed is that uh, when I was working at um, the coffee shop that shall not be named uh, during my school years to pay for school was uh, I wasn't getting any. So I was putting in my labor and I was getting 10 bucks an hour, maybe. Uh, and then um but I was, when a while I was working, I wasn't developing any other skills. I was honing my social skills, but up to a point, it's like, okay, my social skills are honed. Um, diminishing returns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I wasn't getting, after about the third week, there was nothing really more I was learning. And I was expected to, uh, you know, say the party line and, and use the corporate propaganda. And I was just like, I'm done with this. All I need, like, they're like, why are you here? Oh, we're providing people with their third home. It's like, no, I'm here for my paycheck. Pay me. Um, I was pleasant ish. And it got to the point where I just couldn't stomach the, uh, the fact that I was going in and I was spending eight hours of my time and getting nothing but money. Um, so I got another job at a museum. Um, maybe I should plug the Manitoba sports hall of fame there where I was working. Yeah, um, that one's worth a uh, mention for a wonderful uh, uh, woman who curated uh, the place. Um, she gave me a job and she kept giving me contracts uh, because what I was doing, well, probably not because, because I knew my job, but I would work and then I would learn from what I was doing. So I wasn't just getting money. I was getting a line on my CV. I was getting uh, expertise in, uh, in the field I was wanting to work at. I was gaining, um, uh, a network of people that I could know and talk to and learn from, uh, and, um, able to get, learn from them. I was meeting people that could give me, uh, skills. So every new thing I was working on was a new thing I could learn from. There were no diminishing returns because I could learn something new every couple weeks. Uh, and there was always someone, uh, new that would come in. Plus I was getting, uh, other things inside to it. I was meeting all these uh, people that were really cool. I was working with the artifacts. So I was also getting um, the job satisfaction itself. The job itself was giving me meaning. So I wasn't just 
getting the money. I, like I wasn't just getting money from it. I worked myself up to a place where I could get more return for my initial investment of schooling. And I wasn't just, I wasn't getting money. I was getting further growth mm -hmm. and that's where my investment had led. And had I acquired debt during school, my debt would have been used properly in the use of that job or my, uh, my work at LAC, where I was further allowed to enter the marketplace and acquire more growth of myself rather than just working a, uh, a job that couldn't provide me with anything more than a paycheck. Mm -hmm. Um, and or getting a car loan, like it got you to school and work. That yeah. would be good debt because you're going to school and work, but to have a car loan and not have a job and not be studying, that's or, sort of an unproductive loan. Or to get a car loan for a Mercedes when I'm going to school. Yeah. Uh, that's a bad use of my money. It's a good use of my money if you're a Mercedes-Benz dealership. But, right. um, but again, they're so just extracting wealth out of the economy. Like they're, The service of, of luxury goods is literally income distribution. That's the point of it. We want yeah. things to be so exorbitantly expensive so that when people do eventually accumulate more than their own fair, not fair share, but their own share, like through inheritance, yeah. just over time, people are going to accumulate, right? If they have nothing else to spend their money on, they might as well overspend on nice things. Because yeah. that is the nice thing about being rich is being able to spend on nice things. So I don't know if I want to get into that word you said. What's that? Because uh, you, that word you said, fair. Because <laughs> uh, it is an odd word that is invoked often. Well, we need to it's fairly very distribute. Odd, yes. Because I what was it. I generally take solace in the fat and the general unfairness of the universe. If if uh, from. But there's unfair and there's total collapse, right? You mm -hmm. know the world is unfair, but you're not completely unsympathetic to somebody being murdered for no reason. Right. There's the unfairness unfair. of North America. <laughs> well, there's there's Canada unfair, there's America unfair, and then there's Venezuela unfair, and you know China unfair, and Mexico Russia unfair. unfair, and India yeah. unfair. Like everybody's got their own unfair. Uh, I was and, sort of I bit my tongue because what I meant it as is, as the equilibrium again, because not speaking yes. in absolute terms, I'm trying to be walk that that line of fluidity. Right. And the fairness is very, and I find, I, 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 dis, I, I dislike the word because the word is such a relative word. Very unfairness relative. is Good. in the eye of the beholder from moment to moment. I want this. I want that. I want this. But what, do you, and what you want and what you need aren't always known or even understood. So well, what I want, and it would be, and you, you make a case that it would be fairness for you to acquire uh, these goods or these services. Um, but it would have been, I have uh, dental problems because I lived for so long without um, insurance because I was a student uh, and they didn't really have a good dental plan. And I had a very bad dentist uh, who um, well, I think they offer you was dentists with the student dental plan. Yeah, and uh, like I was going to the, the the dentist that we had in the family, and he was a, uh, a charlatan at best, uh, using the words um, energy and magic. And I was like, "Why am I here?" And then I went to the university dentist, and I had uh, the U of M university dentist, and I 
I, I, there was this woman there and she was thorough. She told me exactly what she's going to do. She didn't said she asked my opinion on things. And I was like, this is great. She's teaching me what she's going to do as she's going to do it because she has a time to sit there and be like, all right, here's what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. And that was great. But that's besides the point. I, I, I just can't speak highly enough about the university dentist. <laughs> um, she did a great job. Thank you. You saved my butt. Oh, my face. And, um, but I don't see it as actually fair for me to have been given um, a proper dentist. I could have done more research. Uh, and paying all my tuition, I knew what I was paying for and didn't expect to be given free dental care. I didn't, I wanted to have, like, if someone would have offered me, hey, here's a root canal, I'd have been like, thank you, please, thank you. I'll, I'll walk your dog or something. I don't know. Um, but, uh, well, and these is the thing. I probably would have tried to give back. I wouldn't have expected uh, free lunches. Um, but now that I am in a position to afford uh, dentistry, um, it's not, I don't see it as a, uh, a right. Uh, it's fair for everyone to just be given these things. Um, cause that's subverting cause all these services, school, dentistry, food, they're all part of the market and you, you, you move into them and to subs to, to claim fairness and to claim to claim fairness isn't to claim charity because when you're asking for charity, you're asking to be, to negate the the market of goods and say, please, I need this. It's an emergency, blah, blah, blah. Now that is why we have Medicare. And I am glad because I don't want to have to pay full price for amoxicillin when I have an infection uh, because we all agree that, you know, if we all pitch in a bit, we can all be better off. Mm -hmm. I guess that is still the market, but, um, if we try and remove the market from that and just say, okay, everyone needs this. Okay. Everyone needs free school. That's it. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> but I think um, where most people get it wrong though, is assuming it has to be one way or the other, right? I don't hmm. think that it's the market's job to make sure that everybody's basic needs or freedom from pain exist. But I do think that the market needs to be regulated so that it incorporates things like dental work to all people, not because it's charity, Thank but because that's it. what's best for all people. If somebody's suffering from tooth pain and they can't afford it, they might become antisocial in the sense that they intentionally harm society in order to gain some type of benefit to feel relief from pain. Same with somebody who's, who needs, who has an infection and needs amoxicillin. If we made that kind of thing unaffordable, the harm isn't that it's just one person, oh, woe is them, it's uncomfortable. The harm is that could they could yeah. die and it's years of their productivity, plus their kids would be into foster care and then those foster homes would be subsidized by more government and taxpayers. Like it, it just cascades downward and it could all be prevented just by being humane. <laughs> we mm. could alleviate crime if we made crime not alluring. If there was no allure, no... Well gain from being a criminal why would you risk your future insanity and incarceration and then we wouldn't have to pay to incarcerate and secure people like <laughs> well, i think people don't really understand that desperation because a lot of what i was i remember when i was a fire breather back in the day uh a lot of that came out of desperation i was mm -hmm. 
not in a place where I uh, could, um, uh, I was willing to do a lot for uh, and push myself very far in order to get what I felt I needed. And when you're desperate, that wasn't even very desperate. That was like baseline, you know, one meal a day type of stuff. But like, Mm -hmm. if you are on the street and you got an addiction and you've got all this, that desperation can do some very dangerous things. And so we, um, I keep thinking back to an episode of Star Trek where there's thieves going around. I'm like, why are there thieves when there's replicators? (laughs) There's no purpose to have crime when there's no point to crime. There is no point in itself to the crime. And so you think, well, some people are just deranged. Yes, that's why we have psychologists. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, some people, but some people want things that are the easy way. They're they're trying to cheat. I would argue that it's less easy to be incarcerated than it is to just go out and make a proper living. If it were a fair, easy to make a fair living. Like if Mm -hmm. we could all benefit from the synergies, which we do in a lot of aspects of society, like being able to go to a coffee shop and get a good ground coffee, even though we can't grow coffee in Manitoba. I mean, it takes people like you who are serving coffee to be able to get that coffee. So that's a luxury that we get by synergy of a, broad market. We get to say hairdressers are non-essential. Technically speaking, we, nobody dies from not getting their hair cut. But we all accept socially, even if I don't go to a hairdresser, that I like the fact that other people can go to a hairdresser because we're rich enough to be able to afford to sustain hairdressers as professions. We don't want to have mm-hmm. more hairdressers than there are heads of hair, but nobody's rushing to be... A, well, I mean, some people are rushing to do it. They love it, but I mean, I've met maybe five That's or six hairdressers have. in my life. I've met more bankers and lawyers and, and accountants than I've met hairdressers. Yeah, I've and, met a bunch of barbers. I I tend to be picky about them because they are giving me value. I don't want to yeah. uh, go into a meeting looking like uh, Shay. Well, you have to accept I mean this by is the like, way I look. It's like, but, but the other thing is that working at that place also gave me that desperation. Um, mm-hmm. And that desperation I used as motivation. Yeah. So it's like, I was extremely motivated to get out of there. Um, And it gave me that. I probably could have put my time to better use and, you know, got my butt moving a bit quicker. But, uh, you know, I I didn't know how to manage people. And, you know, I never used a mop until I worked at McDonald's. So I learned how to mop. (laughs) Yeah. Working at a payday loaning company and then running a bank that was a highly leveraged bank right before a financial crisis that was caused by over leveraged banking. It really made me realize that um, the way money influences politics and politics being the rule and governance of the regulation, they really need to be two separate entities. You need somebody regulating markets so that we can have hairdressers and coffee shops and, you know, all the perks of, benefits of having a synergistic broad-based economy with international trade but on the same token don't want places like companies so large like facebook where they can sit in front of congress while also behind the scenes dictating who sits in congress like that's really dangerous for apple google microsoft uh, jeff bezos and amazon like not saying that these people are evil they're doing their jobs but the job of regulation and regulators is not to be beholden to those you're regulating. Like mm-hmm. the job of a security officer well, is not to ask the prisoners how to be a security officer. That's what we really right. 
bring into but, because the reason why there are because so the purpose of that what's that yeah the purpose of that is that if you own a restaurant you want to be able to go to the city council and be like hey um i'm finding it really hard to do business uh is there anything you can do and they're like uh well no because those things are in there for a reason and they're like well i can't hire anyone locally and they're like, oh, well, maybe we do actually need to look at some of these regulations. Or what if the so, city council offered them like consulting said, well, here, let's help make your business better. Like what yeah, would be so terrible about hiring <laughs> one consultant just to be available if, if a restaurant or something needed help? Like we should be encouraged. Yeah. That's what pro business means. When you're encouraging small business, it shouldn't mean that you just throw money at them or take money from them. Encouraging small business should be like, let's encourage their small business. <laughs> but that's what we're not doing. Um, we're not encouraging business. What we're doing is we're, we're picking favorites right now, most colloquially with uh, like uh, advertisements and, and chain stores and franchises. And we're, we're severely favoring the big employers as if the jobs numbers themselves, people having jobs is the point of the market when the point of the market is the productivity from all the jobs that people create. We don't want more mm. jobs just to have coffee servers. We want more engineers and doctors and accountants and consultants. Yeah. And like more jobs means teachers. new jobs that, yeah, so we, you need to, someone comes up with an idea and then they start a company and that company creates a sector which yeah. creates jobs. So now you have this, that's growth. It's not just, right. well, how that's can we flood the market with? To mean. But when they call mm -hmm. it growth, what they're talking about is just inflated growth. It's inflation that they're talking about. They're talking about this. There's another word. Yeah. <laughs> inflation being um, the idea that money, everything's going to get more expensive as time goes on because what we're doing is... Um, we're every time you lend out money, you're creating money that didn't exist by charging interest because that debt is now worth more than the money you gave them because of the interest. If I lend you a hundred bucks mm. and you owe me 110 next week, the value of my hundred dollars went from a hundred to 110 out of thin air. Nothing produced that extra $10. So if everybody's borrowing money, they're constantly receiving more money than they've produced. The prices of goods are going to rise because the 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 supply of buyers goes up. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If more people have more money to buy more things, then people will be able to charge more for everything they sell. Well, and there'll be in there'll there'll be an interest in uh, there'll be an incentive there uh, to create more. So, oh man, people uh. have money. What can I, what can I, dis, what can I make in order to get some of that money? Is there something that people need? That, that's people actually want? a huge pet peeve of mine. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Yeah. The idea that people would just hoard money if prices didn't go up and that it encourages spending is in my opinion, complete flat out horseshit. Um, if people save money just for the sake of saving money so that they can look at the numbers in their bank account, I would love to meet them because I've never seen people just hoard money for the sake of hoarding money. The reason why they hoard money is because they leverage it to make more money. The whole reason why they want all this growth and accumulation is so that they can just play the game and accumulate more. That's the fun of the game, right? If it took you 10 yeah. years, 
$10,000 and then it took you a month to make 10 grand and then you make it in a day, you're feeling really good about your earnings, right? <laughs> like it just feels yeah. good. That doesn't mean that you've produced 10 years worth of labor in one day. Nobody earning 10 grand in a day actually earned it. Like what 10 grand can buy you, nobody could build a car in a day. So there's no way you could right. earn $10,000 in a day if you can buy a car for 10 grand. That's sort of what I'm getting at. So like to say that mm -hmm. people would just hoard money and not spend it because the prices weren't going up is to say that people don't want to improve their quality of life. And that's just flat out wrong from every person I've ever talked to. Right. But that I'm is saying, commonly what they say. Yeah. That's a very, I'm saying more like um the mar like I'm not hoarding money, but uh this is this would be a time to uh you know increase my investment. Although I have heard that like, you know, you save your money for a rainy day, but like and I've met economists at university that would be like, you know, economist business students at that point, um, that like would take my uh coin jar over there as a sin because i'm not you know it's it's sitting there in the jar it's like it's holding my coins my yeah. change that i use to you know clean my go to the the the, the washing thing, without car a fail wash. safe without a savings people are reliant on a system and that system can't plan appropriately because it never knows when things are going to blow up that's inefficient mm -hmm. the most efficient way we could all manage ourselves as a society as if we all had savings. Like to encourage spending money that we don't have just to raise prices so we can earn higher income so that we can pay more taxes is ludicrous. All you have to do if you really <laughs> want to tax people fairly is spend money without collecting any taxes. And then the inflation itself would be a broad based tax across all of the population. So the people who own more money. Okay will lose more value from their money than people who own less. It would be can a perfectly we, fair and balanced we, taxation system. But can they we don't go into that in a bit more detail? Because uh, you, so that's the government spending money. Oh, so are people spending money without taxation or the government? I'm saying if, if you never had an income tax, hypothetically, so every mm -hmm. dollar you earn, you get- Okay, yes. Okay, but you, have, you still have sales tax. Because provinces and cities collect oh, so sales like tax. A fair tax. Right. Yeah. But the biggest amount of wealth accumulation is happening because people are avoiding the large scale taxes, right? But if you spent money, right. the currency of the country, if you spent money that didn't exist and just spent it first, you spent it into existence, like what they're doing to, to buy what they called quant quantitative easing and toxic asset repurchase program and everything they give names for. <laughs> um, yeah. If you just spent that money federally without collecting it, the value of your currency would be suppressed because you're increasing a supply of currency into a system. So everybody holding money would then their money would be worth less, but because it's so uniform and most people trade locally, I buy bread from a person who made bread in my city it would be irrelevant because money is relative. It, it would only have a relative impact on international trade. And that's what they call like a trade right. surplus or a trade deficit is when you're importing more goods or more value of goods than you're exporting. But your right. currency and it would can be taken to a bad extreme. Money. Yeah. So yeah. if, if, if so. the federal government spent money as needed just for like essential things like hospitals, clothes, roads, 
you name it, whatever they spend money on their budget today. But instead of collecting for it, they just spent it. The tax would be on the depreciation of the dollars everybody already holds. And the people holding the most dollars people. would be essentially tax the most. But the spending power wouldn't change. You, you don't need prices right. to rise just because your currency goes down. You only need your prices to rise when currency goes down with international trade. But what goods do we get that right. are essential that are international? Like we so have all wouldn't energy, you go to own somewhere own, own food, all our own textiles if we wanted them. We get them elsewhere because they're cheap. So, that's because we're exploiting the labor of other people's currencies. Like <laughs> Right. So extracting question, wealth though, if I'm sorry. Yeah. If I'm rich though and I want to avoid paying the sales tax, why don't I just uh buy on something, you know, uh some international uh fund that isn't going to charge me as much sales tax. So I just buy my stuff outside of the country um, or outside the borders, or outside the jurisdiction. That's why regulation's so of, important. So you can't have anything come in undocumented. So you'd need actually better border security, well, not but better. which would we be funded by... Customs. That's what customs do. Yeah. So the customs would have to enforce uh, taxes. That's what they do. Because I could just buy something on Amazon. Yeah. Like I said, I'm a layman here. (laughs) You wouldn't need to like officiate it because the value of your currency would change the demand for export imported goods. If our spending Mm -hmm. power relative to other countries goes down, we're not going to be able to afford to buy as much from other companies, countries. So there will be less orders. So there will be less coming in. But the tax will Mm -hmm. be already paid. It's paid in the valuation of the dollar changing. The way we're doing it now right. is we're artificially pushing prices up. And to compensate for that, we're adding all these rules and departments and agencies on top of it to balance it back down again, which is asinine because we have to pay for having a numeric <laughs> value for a dollar, like the price of your dollar. What's the point in having that numeric value if you're arbitrarily inflating it and changing it using all of these like central bank policies and import taxes and duties and customs agents like just have your dollar depreciate relative to everyone else's when it goes down and when you're rich and productive here's the other option is if you don't want to import something because it costs you money like as a subsidy or because of a tariff or whatever you can build a factory that builds that thing make thousands of them and keep one for yourself because you have money that stimulates productivity and growth you don't need to buy a TV from, from Korea. You could build TVs in Canada. It's just cheaper to buy them from there because they're really good at it. They've refined a process. And that's a synergy that we take advantage of. But to say that we couldn't do it is yeah. just, it's, it's absurd. We have tons of wealthy people that are just investing in other banks. Like, what's the sense in investing in a bank that invests in other banks that invests in people and gives loans out and charges fees? Why not just give money to people directly? (laughs) Like if you want to build a productive functioning business and you want to own shares in it, why not own shares in stuff that actually affects you Buy local shares instead of international shares? Mm. Well, it's that profit incentive. That's the only thing that changed. And now regulation is entirely governing the entire market because you're making all of your financial decisions based on taxes earnings potential, growth numbers, 
currency valuate, all these things that are arbitrarily just like constructed. We're basing all of our asset management and wealth management decisions on these arbitrary constraints when they should just be um, self, uh, what do you call it? Self-actualizing. It should just let the price mm -hmm. be what the price is and let demand and supply change as they are. And regulation just govern things so that we have all the luxuries that synergies offer us, which is like healthcare, right. mental work, education should That's be in there. I think school should be free, but because not everybody would. Yeah. Well, it's boring. <laughs> oh, it is. But like at the same time, uh, an educator still needs to get paid. So I don't think it should be as expensive as it is. And I think the administrations are completely bloated. See our um, previous yes, uh, yeah. episode. But um, at the same time, I feel like a lot of people. Yes. Um, on every level, um, especially in the States. But um, the idea of a strong government that's going to People like that, and they they don't want their government to give up that power because they, it's 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 nice mental security blanket that they they want their government to be seen as, and the government has an interest in being seen as like, look at me, I'm keeping your good up, and I, I'm making sure that you are getting uh, protected by us, and that I think it would be hard for society to give up that and let uh, people run it uh run it by itself or let citizens run the economy instead of uh, forcing the government to take such a hard uh a heavy hand outside of just regulation and but if the government's um, run by the people that's essentially what it would be the people yeah so you get the american example which is evil over. apparently what's up <laughs> well the early um uh, American history, uh, especially before World War II, uh, looked a lot like that. And Americans just kind of like, um, they, the government just kind of regulated stuff and it was very distributed and people would just go out. Now, the regulation itself wasn't that good. So you ended up with a lot of shady practices, especially in the West. Um, but people had the freedom to just, I'm going to build a railroad here. Why? Because there needs to be a railroad here and I'm going to make money because there's a railroad and everyone has railroad. And all of a sudden you have cities popping up and people are able to exploit the land. And mm -hmm. that land is now worth more because people are using it. But uh, one of the best examples of this is um, they go to war with Nazi Germany and Japan, um, which did seem like an existential crisis at the time. And uh, as a historian, I would say that um, the those two regimes were would have had a very negative effect on world history and human um, and human um, happiness in general. Very low utility in those uh, regimes, uh, but they were strong and they had lots of power. But the thing was is that they didn't because the Americans did something in World War II that was quite interesting. A bunch of people just got up and built hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ships, just randomly, um, in a very short amount of time. People came up with designs being like, hey, I designed a gun, I designed a tank, I designed a mine that's you know safer and easier to use. And then you get people like, oh, look, I made this new propeller design. And they came out of the woodwork with these designs from absolutely nowhere. 
uh, the government would put out like, we need this, we need that. But people would just come up with designs because they saw this as an opportunity where innovation would get rewarded uh, by because of the necessity of the uh, the existential threat of the of um, the Nazis who had already killed uh, one of their biggest trading partners, uh, France, um, and was looking to kill their uh, second biggest trading partner, Britain, and who was closely tied to their first tra- biggest trading partner, which was Canada. Um, so if Canada was going to fall, America needed to be able to go into Canada and extract all Canada's resources, all that nickel and uranium and all that stuff that it loved. But so that is an ex- existential threat. The war was fought for a reason. It wasn't just rich people looking out for their interests. Um, Sorry, Howard Zinn, it wasn't that simple. Um, <laughs> Never is that simple. The, no. And um, is it Howard Zinn? Yes, it is. I got his name right. Sorry, I do have his book on the wall, even though I, don't, I disagree with it. Uh, but the... Um, where is it going with this? But that freedom, and this is like coming into freedom now, is that that freedom to act in the market as an individual, as a you know person who is part of the whole, rather than just uh, uh, you know an, a quantum of the entire you know state, is that you had all these great ideas come out of nowhere, which did shorten the war, which did provide uh, a better approach to it even though it seems more chaotic and it doesn't look like you have this strong country with banners waving and everyone marching in lockstep and you know the 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 imagery isn't as cool or you don't all have this you know glorious one uh vision of the future but that doesn't actually matter because uh the result is you get to still keep being your own country uh you don't have to submit to, you know, authoritarianism to get things done. In fact, that's the opposite. That's mm-hmm. bad thinking. Um, I don't think regu- regulation should be like that, though. Like when I talk about regulation, I'm saying rules that we all agree are best interest of everybody. That should be what democracy yes. is. The government shouldn't so be some no- predominant figure that's over top of business and they're both fighting it out. It should be business mm-hmm. enabled by the people because the business is good for the people. I like to be able right. to go out and get a coffee and I like it to be affordable. If my income is a hundred thousand, it costs $500 for a coffee. You're, the number itself is relative to the income, right? So what the currency right. but the other thing- is irrelevant. The number itself is just a store of value based on right. the supply of money that's out there. But beyond the number, you need the you need someone to oversee business to make sure that they're not skimping on their coffee right, manufacturing. It, it be everyone and, that oversees it, it shouldn't be a group of people. It okay, should yes. never be a small cohort or cabal of you know a committee of open market. What are they? Open market OPEC or whatever, or a cartel like OPEC. Like, yeah, that, that to me is so, absolutely absurd. The fact that we have legal cartels to manage stable. And I, I keep using air quotes because it's just ridiculous the words they choose to use for these things, like Federal Reserve. Well, they sound good. Federal, it's a private corporation, but um, a cartel to manage in, uh, energy prices in an economy that's comp- all of its productivity basically is based and premise predicated on energy expenditure. 
And all of our biggest problems in the world are based on burning energy, climate change. <laughs> so yeah. it's absolutely absurd to have a cartel run by people who have a vested interest in the profit of this industry, managing and manipulating the prices of it in a fixed currency like the US dollar, because then mm. that spills over into the US market. So all of their products and goods are based on the price of oil, not the price of their economy. Well, that, that totally right. skews everything. <laughs> like suddenly right. finding so. your equilibrium in a price balance isn't finding a price balance. You're looking at, you're shifting the entire curve wherever you see fit. And when a small group of people are managing hundreds of millions of people's spending power, that, that's just very pernicious to say the least. Right. Um. So in principle, though, it should be the people that agree on market rules. And there should be a very sound reasoning for it. We should be able to say, look, we want to subsidize farmers. We want them to not be scraping by. We don't want them throwing in bad seed just to fill up the their bushels or whatever to sell to us. We want them so comfortable that they can just throw out bad seed, keep only the best, you know, sell to our neighbors so that our neighbors aren't hungry and invade us. Like it's part of our security to have a secure food supply, just like clean water is right. and security forces. And, and so laws now, shouldn't be an arbitrator from above looking down and controlling everybody else. It should be an agreed upon mm -hmm. thing that everybody can say in general, this is more or less in all of our best interest because I'm richer. Now everyone else is richer. Right. Which is, which is how it should work. Now, the problem is who enforces this. And so well, people would, you know, there's always going to be money out of politics. Like if, if politicians, I don't want to because getting elected on. Okay. Yes. So that's they, fundamentally, it wasn't that's in their the interest problem. to. Right. So it wasn't in their interest to uh, have soundbite because uh, you know, this place, it sounds good to be saying that because their investors, you know, uh, I want to push a certain narrative because this or that. Whereas in reality, it doesn't matter because Flint, Michigan still doesn't have water, right. which is a simple thing. Or the Shiloh there in Manitoba still doesn't. Do they have that bridge and that road yet? I don't know. Like I've been arguing over water rights. That's a. I, I stopped following. But they there was there was a there was a reserve that didn't have a. Uh, they had a bridge washed out, I believe, and a road, and they weren't able to get supplies. And they, didn't, they like a lot of the reserves don't have good roads anyways. So it's just like build them a road or like give Flint, Michigan a water facility, like get the them water. How is this difficult? Because they don't let you do certain things. And then they say, give us money for it. And then when yeah. they get money, their corruption spread. It's not all the people doing bad. It's like one corrupt mm -hmm. dude gets handed a bunch of money. They thought they could trust him. They couldn't. Oh, well, we still have this problem. So suddenly saying, well, we gave suddenly you casino the other side. <laughs> So yeah. it's politics that complicates so, things and that's just greed and personalities, but we should be able to find a way to take personality right. out of the equation and just make rational decisions based on the facts and data we have. That, that shouldn't be too much to ask right. in the information age. We have so much computing power. Now, okay. So I'll move towards um, a more representative uh, AI system might help that, but I feel like now I feel there's that word again, but a lot of the it's okay. Um, it's just 
It's not okay to say. I know. I just want. <laughs> we can have it. It's very. It's not. It's barely an opinion. Um, but uh, you have this entity that does that's maintaining its own power base, and it likes its the 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 privileges it gets from having that uh, position in the the structure of society. Now, it's you have. Um, how do you get it? to give up that, you know, cushy, uh, money and politics thing. Um, my initial thought was to, uh, yeah, well that, but (laughs) my thought was to decentralize, uh, governmental authority. Um, so you put more power, I guess in the States that would be put more power into the States, um, rather than in the, I guess, what, what do they have for municipalities down there? Counties? Um, or yeah, or like make municipal municipalities, uh, give them more leverage to, well, there's people on our, in our municipality, whether it's on a reserve or not, they need a road municipality is going to put a bunch of our, uh, the government's not going to do it, but we're going to, we're going to have a town meeting say, this is the problem that the municipality is having. And then we're going to put the problem to the people and have it like a town hall and then the people, some guy in the back would be like, well, I can build roads, but I need to get paid for it. And someone else would be like, I'll invest in the road. <laughs> See, the thing is it creates a whole nother scale of problem though. Cause you're basically inventing an industry of County and townships. Like the industry would be like, mm-hmm. for instance, it would be in my best interest for my road out front of my house to have two separate budgets to have my side of the street and everybody this way as one county, because then I know for sure my road's going to have the benefit of two budgets. And then you've got people doing what they call gerrymandering for votes, where you draw out different lines on the map. And and then the smaller your group of people who are spending money, the smaller that group of people is, the more risk there is to corruption. Right. So the higher your risk of loss and unproductive work when you're decentralizing a giant structure. But an inefficiency, one small inefficiency in a giant centralized structure cascades down as huge proportions because it's all relative right. to the size of the budget, right? So there is no right answer to it. The crap gets it's heavier when it's going downhill. But it's not something we can't solve mathematically. It is absolutely something that we could mm-hmm. make rational decisions on if people just elected people not for their personalities or for how many voter cards they saw out front lawns, or things like what they use in marketing, like a lot of people love this as some sort of enticement or inducement to make you want it. Just because other people like something, right. we make it good. But we know psychologically that human beings will follow a crowd. If they're unsure or have no idea like to buy a product, they'll check reviews. I do it myself too. But the problem with that is when you have politics that's influenced by marketing and psychology games, it turns into a giant reindeer game where you just you're swapping shells around or Monte Carlo, whatever game you want to call it. it. It's a it's a it's a scheme ready to be fixed as soon as you have that type of constraint and limitation on it, where you're dealing with psychology of people rather than rational practice of people. And I think we talked about that during right. the episode where I suggested we should open source government policy. That's sort of what I'm getting at. Yes. Uh, compartmentalize so, uh, government uh, policies and leave those compartments open to people to be uh, involved in. 
So no one person can be involved right. in too many things, but everybody can be involved in anything. Okay. So essentially you decentralize the power from in, an individual instead of from like right. areas. So, so you don't give one person too much power, which was the whole point of our system. Yeah. Right. Which is the whole point of our system. So it's supposed to uh, be, and it used and, to be at one point, like electing people who genuinely had the best interest of communities at heart and who were educated, well thought, and you paid them well to be politicians. That was the whole point of elections. Yeah. But once it became a popularity contest in total, once it is absolutely just a game of how much money you can raise and spend, it defeats itself. There's absolutely no reason for it. Oh, yeah. Then not only does it lose synergy, you're extracting wealth from a productive economy again to do an unproductive thing, like get elected. It's just as as big a scam as trading currencies, in my opinion. Yeah, so... What oh, I didn't even know where to ask here. Um, well, it might be good to start wrapping uh, up unless you want. Yeah, to I was wondering if we could take a break. Uh, yeah, if we could take a break and uh, get back, I'd like to get some. I'm running out of uh, head juice, so I'd like to get some <laughs> a few calories in me, and then we can. And then I want to. Uh, then we can do maybe a conclusion. So, okay, because um, I want to talk about how. Uh, what kind of, what, what would this, so we, we talked about um, the uh, the reason for a market and, and, and why we, uh, and how it gets more and more complex and how we trade things. Um, in fact, we could probably go over this again in another episode too. Oh uh, yeah, this sort is of a little minutia. <laughs> yeah. So um, if we could get to maybe what a system like that might look like with, the use of technology right after and then wrap it up with a conclusion because uh, okay. so your last one says innovation and invention so i we can get into that so yeah. but i uh, i need to yeah, get some we can definitely have more <laughs> episodes on this too like i have so much to opine on <laughs> over using that word but i i have a lot of oh, that's good um a lot of them are beliefs though like based on my experience so they're educated or not educated but like experienced beliefs but they're still technically beliefs like how i believe the system would work i mean everybody always thinks something will work when they build it <laughs> and there's always well, that's how that's a profession for fixing that's it afterwards. how that's how positivism works you find something that works but then you ask and then you bring the science in after to say okay why does this work yeah. um which is kind of how a lot of things work, which is when it, it becomes bad, when it becomes a religion, say like this is the way things are. And then it moves further and further away yeah. from how things actually work. Or when they say it uh, must but, work this way. <laughs> I know. So, yeah. So like we, we use, um, was it ibupro? No, it's uh, acetaminophen. We don't really know the, why it works. We yeah. just know it works. And everyone just takes it anyway. Mechanism of action or something like that. Yeah. 